this is the national project right is how do we deal with the difficulties of being and knowing what has happened but trying so hard to create something new and something beautiful and in creating this something new do we disregard do we discard what do we do with the pain This is episode 10 of Umoya on African spirituality, our final episode for season 1, hosted by me, Atambile Masola, and me, Melissa Tando Pongela. This show has been a journey about reigniting and understanding African spirituality in the 21st century. We've been in conversation with people from different fields to talk about how spirituality influences our daily lives. We spoke to poets, musicians, healers, teachers, artists, and activists. These people have all become part of the story of Omoya. In this final episode, we interview Tandiswa Mazwai. For more than two decades, singer Tandiswa Mazwai has captured, probed and illuminated our public imagination with her unyielding loyalty to an African worldview, shared through her music, first as a member of Bongo Muffin and in latter years, her solo career. Her songs and perspectives, down to the way she adorns herself, have always pointed towards a homing that sits at the altar of freedom. Having graced stages all over the world, from the glory years of South Africa's newfound freedom to the present, in this interview, King Ta reflects on her most recent album, Belete, and what she has learned about what it means to be an artist in a country that is still searching for freedom. We usually start these these interviews off from from the childhood, from mm-hmm. where you came from, okay. basically. Uh-huh. And the, the the question that we obviously we we often start with is tell us about your name, um, what it means to you, what you understand about it, um, how you live it. Um, <laughs> I think that for a very long time I really didn't understand what my name meant. Um, And because no one ever really called me that. Everybody called me Dan Dan, and so that was my name. And that's how I related to the world. Anyone who called me Tandisa was either shouting at me or was a teacher, and so it was a name that... I mean, I just never really connected myself to it, you know. And I think also when I started to get... uh, kind of famous in the 90s, um, it became a very uncomfortable thing because everybody was calling my name. And then I was very much, and I think it's hard for people to understand that, but very introverted or very kind of uh, shy, um, not wanting to be seen. It's not necessarily something I'm about. Um, and so people would like call out this name and then I wanted to change it to something else. Can I, can you know, can you call me Red so that if you say Red, I know you are who you are. And then when you say Tandiswa, then I know you might be shouting at me. And then if you say Dan Dan, I know you know me from way back. Um, but obviously, as I grew older, I uh, came into the sentence Utandiswanga Ndoni. And it's hard to translate that mm. in English. Mm. It's hard to translate that in English. It's almost like in English they would maybe say what's your poison or something. Mm. Um, but I always assumed that how I interpreted it was to say that I was that gift. I was that thing that my mother could give in order for some space to feel um, content or happy or nourished do you know what I mean mm-hmm. because that's what it is right it's like how what is it that I can give you in order to ease something what is mm. it that I can provide it's very hard to describe yes, it in, in these in, names in, I know in, you know um, so my name has never really been a thing. I think what was a thing was the surname 
and Izidugo. That was a thing. The name, I think it was kind of, the, it was a little bit too personal and so I hadn't gotten to a place where I could get into the personal. Um, so the name that really resonated with me growing up were Izidugo. It was Umami Yautwaninusbeusalaglanel or my mother's, which was Omagaka. So the name for me has always represented something larger than the individual. It's always represented the group. And so, which is why I, I love introductions in my cousin. You know, they kind of go from, they never ask for your name, it's Ungumamni. Umamni. And then mm-hmm. once you have said who you, or whatever, then it always always leads to Osiazala. Oh, mm. And I think that's the ultimate thing of introductions is to establish the fact that we're family, mm. you know. So, um, yeah, there isn't, there isn't an interesting story in the name itself. And King Ta? King Ta? King Ta, I would say it's an extension of that, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I was, I think, a couple of months ago, I really came into really understanding why I did that because, I, like I say, everything is in, is in hindsight. So... Um, why I really did that was that I needed to claim my own space. I needed to name myself. I needed to own it. And that I needed to be the one that speaks the final word into my spirit. That I, that's what being King Ta for me represents. It represents an ownership of the fact that some of this is my doing and that I can speak the final word into my soul. I can say you're great, you can do it, you're amazing, you're all these things, because I do struggle with believing that. Yeah. Mm. Wow, that's amazing. Um, I never, I'm glad that we're talking about this, because I never really, I mean, I just, King Ta just fits for me. It just fits with your larger-than-life, non-masculine, non-feminine personality. Yeah, I mean, that's being. that's the other side, that's another part of it, was trying to kind of allow myself to straddle any side of the gender spectrum that I wanted to sit at and also to subvert and mm. uh, make people uncomfortable. Mm. Uh, and, you know, I mean, everyone's uncomfortable. That The men are com- un- uncomfortable and then the women are uncomfortable because they think it's a, I'm denouncing the queen in me. Mm. Um, and I'm saying I can own that. But that was a space I couldn't inhabit and I needed to inhabit it. Mm. I needed to say that I can be king. And that I can't, I don't have to stop at Queen because of my gender. I can go anywhere I want to go. Yeah. Hmm. So, yes, it is, it's definitely part of that. Hmm. So, I think I have this really like huge, what is it in English? Is it a dichotomy? It could be a dichotomy, yeah. Or a conundrum or a, a dichotomy. Is it, is it paradox. True? Yeah, like paradox true. or. Yeah, it's in that there's a very world. huge part of me like that's like massive, you know. Mm-hmm. And then there's a part of me that's really, 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 really tiny. Yeah. You know, and it's inconspicuous. And uh, yeah, uh, shy, scared, sad, all of that. And then there's a huge part of me that's like fearless. But I think the fearless thing is a response to who I really am. And that if you are so afraid, then you must play out the fearless in order to survive. Mm-hmm. And you have to understand fear as a person who is fearlessness. There has to be a deep understanding of, of fear. what is fear. Yeah. To understand yeah. it. And you, you can embody it can somehow, embody it. Yeah. which is what you're constantly then responding to in, in the work, in the, how you present yourself yeah. in public. Yeah, And I, you know, it's it's amazing... Art and responding to it as a spectator or as somebody who, who takes a, 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 a teaspoon of it mm-hmm. and, and, and enjoys the teaspoon. I'd always thought that red is, it, it speaks of your allyship to Abandamabomfu. That too. Um, and yeah, the people who just it out. Yeah. But I think that, that that only became apparent later on. Mm. It only became apparent later on, but I knew that it, then I knew that it was about the soil, it was about the people, it was about, you know. But when you speak of the people, you are speaking about those that are called Amakaba, mm. those, those who 
suffer, those mm. whose cultures are dying, those whose languages are dying, those who, you know, that's who we are, we refer to when we speak of the people. So mm-hmm. it was there in some part of that definition, but I think because I was so young at the time, I didn't really know how to articulate it. Mm. But um, everything that was in that name has continually played itself out through my music. What would you say is your spiritual identity? There are spaces that I form, that I create, in order to create, to have or find myself in some kind of communion or find myself in some kind of fellowship. And a lot of those, and that space has in many ways been in the music um, and in a book, in the silence of writing. So I think that there's a, that's where I find that spiritual meaning or spiritual resonance or spiritual presence. Mm. That's where I find it. Um, And that's what I'm always searching for. I'm searching for another opportunity to be with musicians, make music, be with an audience, share the music, be in this fellowship. So I don't know if that answers the question in some way. Yeah, that's exactly it. Like, but it's good to open it up because it's very uncertain. Everyone's so-called practice is it's it's an it's an uncertainty, and we're always reaching for mm. the neat, mm. the ritualized. But if essentially, especially at our age in this in this generation at this time, we are in such a state of flux constantly that yeah. it can only be something that is 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 being created as we are. Yeah, and I think maybe I would say the practice is writing. That's mm. that's the thing that I do every day, all the time. Um, and it puts me in a meditative space. Um, and it allows me to question myself and maybe grow or something. But it's the writing is something that I practice, that I do every day. <laughs> first possessed by the spirit of music oh no like immediately (laughs) (laughs) i would say it was it it's it was immediate because to hear music the moment you hear a sound something in you shifts and when you are and and I think this is for all of us, not just the musician, but one who listens to the music as well. Um, but as a musician, I think that there's something about hearing a sound that really triggers something in the core of my spirit. And so I would say falling in love with music had to be when I heard my mother's heartbeat. Hmm. It would have had to be that moment, just kind of like hearing a sound. Because... That's that's all you need to make an entire symphony is something to begin. So I would say from from the onset, from day one. And you said... And I mean, also like music is one of... I think that music is the most divine of the art forms. I know that other people will be like, no, we're painting over here, we're dancing over here. <laughs> But there's something about sound that um, is transcendent. Transcendent, I think. I mean, you get that transcendent feeling when you're watching a really amazing dancer. Mm. But I think what what, what became interesting to me about this transcendence, uh, this ability for music to to do this, for sound to do this, is um, when I realized that when... You know, when you are reading the Quran, when you get to the voice of God, you sing. When God is speaking, they sing that part. It must be sung. You can't just be like, and then utikawati. Uh-uh. Mm. Then it must, then you go into mm. song, you go into the libation. So, what were we talking about? 
that. Exactly that. That? We're <laughs> <laughs> talking about that. Um, to follow up on that, I guess for me is, so in my mind when I was thinking about this interview, I couldn't believe that I, you'd only got three albums, like as... A solo artist, yes. Yeah, as a solo artist, because you occupy so much of our imagination, like the cultural imagination. You're far more expansive than those three albums. So I'm interested, and you're very touched on it, that writing is the thing that you do. But like, what happens between the albums? And you mentioned the silence that you go through. Yeah. Life happens between the albums. I only only, uh, make something uh, to share once the experience becomes too much. Otherwise, I'm just happy to put it down on paper. But then once it becomes too hot, too much to bear, then I put it into an album that I share with other people so that I can kind of loosen the, the pressure. So, yeah, what's happening in between is life. And then as soon as I can't take it anymore, I go, hey, guys, help me out with this thing. Mm-hmm. Can we talk about this thing? Um, that's what's happening in between. And I also love collaborating a lot. I do a lot of collaborations that I don't even release. Like the Blackjacks and I have been working for almost, I don't know now, almost like nine years. We've never released any of the stuff that we do. Um, I mess around with a lot of different musicians in between, just trying to find a, a new voice. Because I also get bored with whatever it is that I did before. And so it does take you a while to find a new thing and be brave enough to, to do it. I mean, to venture into a jazz album was nerve-wracking for me because I thought, I mean, jazz musicians are, I guess, educated musicians. You, would, you imagine there's this thing about jazz that it's for the discerning listener. Mm, and connoisseurs. For the, yeah. Mm. And... and um, I'm I'm trained in the street. I don't know anything about anything. I don't know an A from an F from a B. You know, I don't know that stuff. I just go on instinct. And so I had to really surrender a lot to get in that room with those people and then say, yeah, I know what I'm doing. While they're busy going, so, so, lalu four, yakon, and then go straight to the G, ne? And then I'm going... <laughs> <laughs> Because I know that I have an ear for this mm. thing. I can, I'll, I'll just follow. Mm. <laughs> you guys can talk to each other and I'll just follow. But um, yeah, yeah. Okay. It's that freedom and that I was talking about. That freedom which requires a lot of vulnerability to be able to move between different types of music. What I wanted to say about the whole freedom thing, like what is it? Because mm. I, I asked myself, I said, what is it? Why? Why do you seem so unafraid? Why do you seem like you're just doing as you please? Like, why does it seem like this? What are you doing? What's going on? Um, And so I thought it might have something to do with abandonment. Uh That, um, you know, my mother passed away when I was 16. And from then, from then, a lot of my experience was about being abandoned. And so when you're out at Latin, um, you realize there's no rules anymore for you because you're already out in the woods. And so you begin to carve out your own way. And once you've carved it, you're not going to let other people dictate to you how to move through it because this is your... this is. You are already outside. You know, you, you there's, you know. And you know, I'm I yeah, so I think that's what it was. It was just because I had to find my own way in the world. And finding my own way meant that I wasn't going to allow other people to tell me what to do. Yeah. And then so it's a huge obsession of mine. And I think it's kind of um, I was speaking to a friend of mine today. I said to her, I think that I've remained very much a child. Very much immature in many ways, even though I kind of like play around in this adult world. But I remain a child in the sense that um, I want to do, I want to do what I want to do. Mm. I'm just doing what I want to do, you know. Um 
But it also goes back to this book that I read that told me that Aries, which is my star sign, is the youngest star sign of the zodiac. Is it? Yeah. Um, and so what that told me, it, even in that book, it was like, so the Aries, what the Aries does is it just runs off the cliff and it knows that the entire universe is going to go, oh my God, that baby. <laughs> 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 and so that's how I operate oh, in the world. Wow. I'm just like, I'm going for it. And, and I know that somebody is going to catch me somewhere in the sure. front. You know? I love that's that. That's beautiful. <laughs> Yeah, oh. you did once introduce yourself as a wild woman. Yeah. So there is this, 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 the wildness in you, which it's kind of, it's a current that runs under mm-hmm. everything you do. But at the same time, there's still that Sistandiswa reverence <laughs> <laughs> that people have for you, which makes them like, which you, 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 there was a time in South Africa when we did. I guess because we've only or mostly had role models of what it means to be a respectable woman. But then I had Brenda Fassi. This is also, also I was going to mention Brenda, right? Yeah. But Brenda existed amongst who? Everybody else was was like a respectable woman. And it's a dangerous place to Mm. be for, for her. And that's, you know, that's why her story is sometimes so tragic. Because she got to play out that idea of a totally free woman for all of us to know that mm. we we had this capacity and we 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 can do it if we so please, and that we can even go to total extremities, you know. And for me, that was like a a great education because being a woman, you're so confined mm-hmm. by. Um, culture by this idea that you hold mm. the entire you know if if our morality crumbles it's because the women have crumbled if this it's because of the women you know but somewhere i think that women want to have a space where they don't they have nothing to do with that they just had nothing to do with it you know um i'm so scared to occupy that space because i am like the complete opposite of you in that i'm like Rule following Rebecca. Me? No. No, Deep down. I I think maybe that's also why I acted out in so many ways. Uh, But actually, I'm like, I just want to follow the rules and I don't want to get Rule bound Rebecca. You just call yourself rule bound Rebecca. I think I I do (laughs) want to agree with that. I'm quite conservative. I would agree with that. Like inside, deep down. I I like rules and being strict and and I'm scared to fundamentally break the cultural codes. Yeah, as a, as a as a person, I think I'm I'm, even though it might not look like I mean we're complex creatures. Yeah. I think this is the this but is what, what to I think I gave myself permission because I said to myself I'm an artist. I'm not. Mm. I'm not a doctor. I'm an artist. I can be as crazy as I want to be, and I can flip flop actually, just flip that way, that way, and you know the next. And as an artist, I think I started to feel that that space that you're talking about, the space of reverence was beginning to weigh on me in this way that I couldn't now misbehave because people would be like, how oh, Tandi Swa. You know, yeah, a friend of mine calls me sister of the nation. Wow, wow, <laughs> wow. So if, if let's say I had like one too many champagne glasses, she'd be like, hey, sister, sister of, of the, the nation. nation. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, don't do that. <laughs> And so I just gave myself permission in that way. I said to myself, it's fine. They can have that idea of me, but they also have to know that I'm a very complex human being. We continue the conversation with Tandiswa as we explore the story behind her album, Belete. Atambile shares how she used the album at a masterclass for high school students as part of the Matlaikem Kweto annual lecture held in May, where students encountered the album and its significance for the first time. The songs Wakazulwa, Jigijela, and Magubenjalo became the focus of how the album is in conversation with the past and how we need to take healing seriously if freedom is to become more meaningful. But I do <laughs> want to go back to Melete. Yes. Um, and perhaps as a conduit in, my favorite song is Wakazulwa on that album. Me too. And how 
every time you sing it, I then go back to Mambusi's one because it almost starts exactly, and then it does something completely different. Yeah. And then I go to the church one. Yeah. So I played all three on Saturday and I got the kids to talk about what are you hearing, what are you... So tell me about that tell me, song. Tell me what, the, what, what came out of that though first. So well, the, first, the first song I played was Jiggy Jela. And so the fees must fall kind of prompted them and they kind of got where it was going. And obviously in the room, it was a mixture of kids. And so mm. the, the language thing immediately, so I didn't translate it at all. I translated much later. And it was one kid from ALA who was like, but can you translate? I was like, I'm going to get to that because I'd seen a video that you had done in New York where someone asked you a similar thing. And I was no like, there's no need, right? Is that we, you can, that's actually the distraction. So we experimented a lot with that, with Ujigi Jela, and then eventually they, they translated it. Um, and then I played them Mamleta's Jigi Jela. And then we kind of discussed the sound and how yours kind of contrasts with the voices, but also mm. very contemporary. I mean, they were doing all of this. I was just like listening. And these are 16, 17-year-olds. Um, and how th you can tell the different times of the two songs, mm -hmm. but they're both responding to something right now. Urgent. So the fact that yours, yeah. you're taking something from the past and it still makes so much sense, but that it's contrast because it's very, it's like a lullaby almost. It's very mm. soothing. Mm. And then there's that like juxtaposition with the violence and the, the students. And then right at the end, Iquijo. Yeah. So they, they, they kind of unpacked that. And then I played... So we played it all the way to the end. And then I played them, and then I showed them the three versions. And a few of them had kind of had that, um, the sound, yes, it go in. Um, and I didn't, I couldn't find, I still couldn't find on iTunes. I lost my CD, so I couldn't play the Mambusi's one. I was so bleak. Like, oh. I almost didn't sleep because I couldn't find my CD. I'd gone to all my boxes and I can't find that CD. So that was a missed opportunity. I was super bleak about that. And then I played the Magobanjalo, which completely threw them because then I played Magobanjalo Leako. Then I played, I found a video on YouTube of the whole um, like like, like, yeah. 1990. Yeah. And they're like, what do you mean? I was like, yes, yes. this is what they took out. Yeah. They could not believe because the first time I heard these demos when because we were I at think school. That's, that's, the, that's, that's the part of the song. That's, that's, that's the part. And that question, that's right, the, is, is it thing. not so? When you go into this lifting, Transcendent, you into this lifting, into this kind of, this let it be so, you know, and it's insane that that that's, that's the, the one that, that they take do. out and then put the Afrikaans in, which and, is completely and flat. It's so jarring. Mm. It's also how it happens. It's like you're like in the middle of the and you're singing mm -hmm. the anthem, yeah. and then all of a sudden it goes South Africa and it becomes so military mm. all of a sudden, you know, and for me, and I mean, we've had this this discussion a long time many times on, on the i've had this thing where i just feel it's violent i think that it's very very violent to the suffering masses of this country to force us to sing something we know that they sang every time they celebrated their victory over us you know and to mix that with our wailing Mm. The song was how we cried. It was how we pleaded to Umtali that what can can you bring peace to us? Can you give us and then you juxtapose that with something so military. I mean, you know, and I want to be a proud South African. And I, I you know, this is and and that's this is the national project, right? Is how do we deal with the difficulties of being and knowing what has happened, but trying so hard to create something new and something beautiful. And in creating this something new, do we disregard? Do we discard? What do we do with the pain? What do we do with the 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 misunderstanding the 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 violence what do you do with that and that's why a lot of these violences com continue because we're just not dealing with the fact that there's a day-to-day -day violence that happens that is part of being a south african um 
and there's a there's part of being a South African that is about us not liking one another, not wanting to see one another. You know, I mean, there's an experience that I have every time I travel overseas where, you know, um, you know, South Africans will see each other, but we won't say anything. Especially if it's a white South African and a black South, and I'm the black South African, I'll know that that's a white South African. They'll know I'm a black South African because we know each other, mm. but we won't respond to one another because we there's a history there, and it's so deep that um, I think it's it's um, it is uh, the word is not unfair, but something like that. It's unfair to the process. Mm to not allow people to be honest about what they really, 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 really feel. You know, we're all talking around these ideas of rainbowism and this idea of this newness of our South Africa. And I've always said that we nothing can be made new, you know, but everything, if we want something to be fixed, then it's not newness you're looking for. Mm. You're looking for... A resolution. You're looking for something that's going to lead you to a new understanding, but not brand new. You can't wake me up one day and say, now you live in the new South Africa. I went from that. I went from one day living in apartheid South Africa. Tomorrow, one day on the 2nd of February 1990, I was in the new South Africa and I had to sing, South Africa, we love you, our beautiful land. And it was like one swoosh of Mandela's magic wand. And there we were in our new South Africa. And it, it can't be. Mm, so it can't be. Yeah, it can't be. There's a lot that still needs to be mm. encountered. But I mean, it's really difficult to figure out how, how? that will happen. But that's the beauty think, of that album, though, is that you kind of, all the sounds, and for me, it's all, it's like, it's in the sound. And if people then do the homework of going back to the original songs, yeah. then they can see this conversation between the past and present because the other thing that shocked them was that quote Kama Mariam, Mariam, yes. the, the conqueror writes history yeah. oh they went crazy I had to play it twice so they could all write it down Yeah. because um, I think that's what kids are experiencing right now yeah. and it was articulated by someone whom they don't really have a cultural imagination in the same way our yeah. generation did yeah. but also in the way you can tell it's almost like the original clip from way way back then Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's, um, it's, a, it's yeah. from an interview yeah, yeah. That made them go wild as well. Yeah. Um, but what was it about Wakazul? I wanted to find Oh, that. sorry. What was it about Wakazul? What did you want to know about Wakazul? No, just the, your own journey with it because it occupies Mambusi's voice in a way. Because when I heard Mambusi's song, I almost forgot about the church version and that was the only version yeah. I wanted to hear. I know. I, I had it on repeat for days and so days and I, days. I was on an island with Mambusi one day. And she was having one of those, like, rough days. You know, those rough days where you you talk into the night until three in the morning because you just need someone to listen. You know? And for many, many times I was there. And she said to me, I'm going to make an album. And in that album, I'm, I, I've, I've done an arrangement of Amakuku. And then she sang it to me. She was like, we're going to do it. It's going to be like, ah. Mm. And I, you know, and it's the opening song. Yeah. And then she sang Wahazula to me in the moonlight. We were on a beach. There was red wine. And she's singing to me. Guys, I, no, no, no. There's nothing like it. <laughs> Never again. <laughs> There's nothing like it. And so that song. I mean, it was I, I, what I wanted to get into was I wanted to get into the pain that Mambusi was experiencing when she was writing her last album. Because all those songs to me sound like crying. They just sound like... I mean, she's even got a song there that says, Makolwaniti. Mm. She says, "Nagu go fak bele sele makolwa niti nina." And uh, just so much crying in that album. And I've always wanted to give Mambusi her pedestal, her, her throne. 
And so I think what was happening at the end of that song was almost like trying to create a praise for a king or a queen to take their throne. Yeah. And you feel it? Yeah, that's, that that's what I was doing there. Yeah. And I mean, you know, this, this, stuff, this stuff kind of just happens on its own. You know, where I had sat with the music for a long time and in fact thought it was done. And then one day I went into the studio to fix a small part in that song. And then suddenly that happened. And I thought, well, this seems like it's, it seemed like the right thing to happen to the song. So, I mean, that's, that's also part of just kind of being a conduit. And possessed. Is, yeah, is, is, is allowing the, the possession to happen to, to you. It's like that time when... When we were at that concert of yours, um, the Women Only Party mm -hmm. last year, and, and we you, did and the Winnie Mandela and the yeah. Winnie Mandela invocation, it was insane. And then, and then, literally, like the next day, she passed she away. Passed. Mm. And it was crazy because when we did that show, uh, I had been kind of pushing this idea that I th I kept saying what we're going to create on that day is a supernova. We're going to create a cosmic event that will change, that will shift our reality. I even have a little poster that says that for the show. And that's what Mamwini's death was. It was this like cosmic event that has changed all of us forever. Mm -hmm. You know, and it was crazy on that day. I mean, I, that song is the first song on the show, usually. And um, it was the first song on that day, and we had a huge picture of Mum Winnie, as we usually always do. Um, and we sang that song. But for, for that performance, we had rehearsed something different for the ending. It was like this kind of like, like rock and roll riff that we decided we were going to put at the end of the song. And the band didn't really even know what... I was going to do with that. And I guess I also didn't know, but I knew that I needed that there. And then once we got on stage, when that riff came, it just like launched me into this like calling of her name, like over and mm -hmm. over and over and over. And I couldn't stop doing it. And at the end of that song, I actually sat down. I was so spent and I'd, I'm, I'm never, I can perform for two hours running around. I've got energy on stage. I don't run out of it. But on that day, the f that first song killed me. I was done. And I think it was so... It, it, it's, it's, it's like this thing that you're saying about Mambusi, where you are... to the pathway for somebody to go sit at their final resting place. Or at their... At their, like their rightful Salasabo, place. Their rightful place. Because it mm. felt like it was like... It, we, it was... Watching it was, I mean, I've been to many concerts of yours. That day, something else happened. Yeah. And we all felt it and we were all forever changed in that moment. Yeah. Because we knew about Ikonde And then the following day when we heard the news, it was then Kengoku. I guess like, it was yeah, like, wow, Lela, I, wow. Name. Like, yeah. there's, there's, it, this was cosmic. It was yeah. something else. Hmm. Yeah. That was then music and spirit and life just doing its thing. In front of us. Yeah. You know? And what's funny is, uh, before, just like maybe two days before the show, I posted a picture of myself in like a kente and... Um, oh, the one with the... Yeah, and some stuff. And a friend of mine said, you're channeling Oya. And I said, who's Oya? And I didn't know who Oya was. And then I went to go read about Oya. This is before the show. And Oya helps... Uh, spirits go from one, from the limit. Oh. And so um, it was so crazy because she, she was like, you've got to, you're channeling Oya in this picture, you're channeling Oya in this picture. And then that happened. You know? This is so crazy. Yeah. It was. Um, you know, you're pretty obsessed with musical histories and the archive and 
If you look at like our history, the I mean the African history can go back eight thousand years in terms of civilization. Mm. And you think that in eight thousand years, how many Africans died along the way through slavery, through wars, through you know famines, famines through droughts, desertification, droughts, everything, running inland, running away from slave slavers on the coast, running away from the Arabs who were coming in from you know the Middle east, the east yeah. and going more inward, and then you coming know down. migrating downwards to the south. For us to actually be have survived. here, to have survived, I know, mm. I know, with technologies that can tell us that, oh, actually, it is Dugasako Sipelela nine hundred years ago in Burundi. You know what I mean? That your people have your this blood that you're carrying in your system has been around and for that long. And you're still so tied right. to the idea of being umkosa, mm. really and truly. When and there's a whole expanse and, like, and being and a woman, like, and Zulu. Like, no, no. Zulu. actually, you're not. No, you're you're, you're not. an African, and this whole place is is your. Home. It's yours. Your whole, the whole world belongs to you. The whole, the whole place is yours, you know. And that's one of the things I was saying about freedom is that for me, freedom is the ability to roam. Yes, mm. move around. Yeah, and the 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 fact that they've not allow you know these borders are not allowing us to move around yeah we are in 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 these prisons really mm. you know and that we need and, permission and self in prison ourselves yeah mm. i want to be able to roam around and mm. and land somewhere in the north somewhere in the west somewhere in the east and still be at home i'm just there enjoying it and i had to create spaces for myself you know like when i first got into this industry everything was so american mm. and the end Everybody had to look a certain way, you know, you, that then you can be considered beautiful or whatever. And I had, I didn't have that body. I had the other body. And I had the body that when I was growing up, I was told, yeah, I wonder this one, it's, that, that's the African thing mm. now. This is our beauty now. This is the thing. And then I got into the world and it said, well, it looks more like fat. It looks more like, you know. There are words for it. There were other words mm. for it, you know, like I always tell the story that when I went to um, the f- I went to a, 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 a private school when I was 13, 13 or 12. And that was the first time I realized that, that anyone had ever looked at my bum and laughed at it. And I was like, wow, it's so strange because this whole time it's been a whole, yes, 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 baby. Yes, mm. that's the way. <laughs> there are other nice words for it. <laughs> there were other words that were describing that I was beautiful in what I was. And then I got into the world and the world was like, nah, baby, you need to change, you need to assimilate, you need to... And I was like, I can't. This is going to be difficult. I can't do that. And so I had to just say, I'll be alone in it, but I'm doing it anyway. I mean, my my sister, Unziki, used to laugh every time I did the, the Amakokos. She'd just be like, oh my God, you are so embarrassing. Like, what are you doing? Why are you wearing that? What is happening, you know? But I was just so, I wasn't going to try and be something else. So yeah, the point is you just kind of do it and then you enjoy it. And you know what, when, and the minute I did it, there were so many other women who called me up and were like, you know what, I, I feel beautiful because you stood up for me, you know, and you were, you were the alternative. I could, I wasn't just stuck with the, that woman who, who says, because I'm worth it, I could actually look at you, you know. So, yeah, but I think we're in a different moment now, you know. I think there was definitely a time when we desperately needed you to put those dots on your face and be photographed and to be put in the Y magazine so that 14, 15-year-old me could take that picture and put it on my wall and not even have anything to say, but it's just there, yeah. you know, to wake up to every day. As part of everything Next to Stone Cherry's like, whole thing. Mm. Like, if there i'm like yeah this is this this visual is medicine for yeah. me and i don't really know the words but i'm feeling it mm. um next to the poster of madonna yes madonna of course and and rem and yeah and but it's and about Alanis representation and and you know yeah so but but 25 years later or 20 15 years later or whatever we find ourselves in a different moment and i think we need to or i'm i'm personally asking myself what does it mean to enjoy this freedom because yes, you you've we've 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 we can tick a box and say we have overcome or we are overcoming the stride. Now there's a person, there's a language, there's a look, there's a reference point for isn't, that isn't moment. Isn't it to live? Mm. Sure, it's to live, but like 
sometimes the way in which we live, there's, I mean, there'll always be a backlash. I'm feeling it more now, more than ever, more than when I was in Clarendon, Mm, more than when I was in school. So like having had those examples, I'm still like kids our age now are feeling quite like distressed. They don't have this, what we had when you were younger. Exactly. And that for me is scary. They don't have a Brenda in the same way we had a Brenda. We're still alive, still young, still being rebellious. And I don't know and why. I think that, that, that's big. I think it's because we did get to a point where we rested on our laurels and we said we are enjoying our freedom. And that's fine. I think politically that's okay. That's a, it's not an apolitical thing. That's to, what Guaido was. Enjoy, to, exactly. Ah, but Guaido was, enjoy. Was, was, was just... It was, po- it was political wild. and amazing. Yes, and but it was really all of what it. we were doing was black we people just, just saying, ah, kukukusem nandi. Sikruva eyo vili, sikruva eyo hili. Sibashe. E Brainstein, sikumnandi. Nandi. You know what I mean? Nandi. Whereas I don't know. And there's an American backlash for me now. And a lot of it wasn't even about like yeah, yeah, yeah. political. I know. Later, you know, like before it was like, hey, we live and die. Kurabobe, we live and die. Yes. Kurabobe, we live and die. And then as it, as it went, yeah. then like, B.O.P. Then, you know, it became more nuanced as time went. Yeah. But in the beginning, we were just like, it's a battle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's all we cared. We were just like, oh, it my was goodness, amazing. it's about time. Yeah, you know? it's amazing. And then as time went, we started to think, you know what? There's something, There's something, here. something's mm. happening here. Yeah. I'm feeling that, a vacuum death, now. Exactly, I'm feeling death. such a so vacuum. That's why I'm saying, guys, like all of this has happened. It's, fun, it's fantastic. It's amazing. We grew up under that thing. There really was. 1998 was such a crucial year of really just nice like, time. Um, Nandi, South Africa. Yeah. But here, it's nice. To it's be nice here. to be here. That's <laughs> nice because you yeah, just oh, we, we love this place. Yeah. Cause yeah. We really <laughs> love this place. I love that song. That whole that the, the, the whole that. album. And and I think we do. And I feel like at the moment, I can't there's point. a dearth of that, of 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 a particular consciousness about being that is causing the 16-year-olds to be distressed. They and get that requires us. Yes. And, that get requires and that's where it came from. It didn't come from the burbs. It again. came from the ghetto. Because when you're but in the, the ghetto the, doesn't the, exist in the same way, guys. The ghetto is now looking at, at Mzanti Magic and watching the television shows from yeah, 6 to 9 p.m. and doing that thing. The ghetto, as we know it, is not What I mean by that, that thing. when I say the ghetto must speak again, I mean that the voice of... Um, that thing that speaks of the the trouble mm. in our life has to come back. Because right now, everybody is kind of just singing about, eh, we've got diamonds, we've got this, we've this got is that, a, we've this, got this, this, is this where we've I was got going. that, we've got this, we've got that. And, and I, I understand that thing because it's what we call so long denied, you know. When you've been so long denied, mm, that's then what you want. Then like it's, the, it's like when you get your Christmas clothes, you you are out in the street walking the whole day, parading <laughs> your brand new clothes. You know what I mean? So long denied because you wait the whole year to, to get, get your Christmas outfit. clothes. You know, so we're in that space where everybody's got their Christmas clothes, and they are being frivolous and so that's what i'm saying as artists, but i think then, what's the, our role in this time what what's the role of and going back to that point you made about the national anthem i think that there's it's always part of a trajectory mm. of survival and of healing uh-huh. that you go into this kind of like recklessness uh-huh. 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 Reckle- cl- recklessness is a part of healing yes mm. you say i don't care anymore yeah. Yeah. and then once you've not given a damn you say, wait a minute, I, I think I might have to care. It's not looking right anymore. But you must not care first, mm. you know. And the thrill. And I think that, and it, it's kind of, it's an, it's an ebb and flow. It's mm-hmm. up and down. We are always in different states of our consciousness, you know. We're, you know, we're either learning or we're teaching or we are growing or, you know. So I think that as much as especially in the music business, as much as there's that sound coming out and it might be like worrying to someone who thinks, but what else is there? Um, It is a reflection of the time and usually that's what art is, is it reflects back to us who we really are. Mm. 
and we, and and you know we'll get uncomfortable and maybe try and change something, but you can't avoid the fact that mm. a mirror has been placed in front of you for you to see what you are. Mm. You know, so and and some and yeah, like so some artists are just about reflecting and uh, reflecting us back to ourselves, mm-hmm. and other artists are about opening us up to different ways of thinking. You know, so yeah, I I, I can't and everybody exists. In a, in a place that's valid for that and time and that moment. Yeah. I'm just, yeah, for now, I'm just like, I'm, I'm, I'm hungry for that other thing. And it's produce the thing, though. You're going to produce it. No, well, we're producing Tony Morrison we're producing it writes now. what she wanted to read. You're going to produce the thing you're hungry for. Sure, no. And I, and I think every, it's okay that everything exists as, as it is. And actually, that's the only thing you can do as an mm. artist is to do something that you desire, the thing that you, that you need. And then you find that actually it resonates in the end. Other people are waiting for that. Yeah. That permission. Yeah, or just waiting for you to to show that there's um there's a thread, there's a unifying mm. story, there's something there's something between us. Yeah. That is not just you're not alone in this world, there's something between us going on. I, I I'm very interested for, for people who are wondering what art is is and what artists are and what role they play in our lives to hear this being spoken about because there has been, you know, some kind of hijacking of the the notion of art and entertainment as entertainment by capitalism, which has existed for a long time and always tries to do this, but I just feel we need to name it now and say, this is this thing and to, to give people the menu, the whole the whole menu. This, yeah. this kind of notion is stuck behind somewhere or it's a, some secret cabal of people or some 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 club only, that, that the members only club has it. It kind of needs to be named in the same way that we, we have a, a name for trap, you know, and what and the trap lifestyle. And, the, and I just think... Yeah, it's, to, to name this part of music that is about a spiritual experience. Have you named that for yourself, like your music and what you produce? No. <laughs> Especially since Ipokwe. No. Mm. No, it's hard to name. Mm. But I think what Millie is trying to get at is this idea that they, I mean, because music is important, right? Especially in, in, a, in, in our cultural understanding. You know, we, we sing when someone is born, when somebody dies. People get married, we sing. We're singing because it's part of that... Uh, rite of passage or that ritual that no ritual can happen without mm. sound mm. and so I think that's what you're speaking about right you're speaking about trying to bring that consciousness into, into the space of into like this kind of like popular yeah, yeah. popular space mm. to say yes we've got music that we dance to but there's, there's, a, there's a much more spiritual much more deep role that music should be playing in our as an access to Liberation. Umoya on African Spirituality is a Kaya FM podcast created and produced by Militu Tandopongela and Atambile Masola. Our team includes editors Pamandla Yende, KG Shabangu, executive producer Ngabagazi Manzi, and project manager Ridume Tempole. Our theme song is Tuli Mama by Tabang Dabane. Get in touch with us on umoya at kayafm.co.za for any questions, comments, or queries. Otherwise, follow Kaya FM on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram.